Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. It's meant to be because yeah. it took so long to happen. And I'm not saying he's the starter next season. He could be in Los Angeles. Who knows about Matthew Stout? He's got the spinal cord contusion. He's, you know, he's got the elbow issue from this past off season where he's not able to throw the football. And uh, McVeigh acknowledged that they are. I mean, the, the stat of they've got 16 players back, I believe, from their starting group from the Super Bowl, and only five have played every game. I mean, they're completely banged up, and they're looking for an insurance option. In case Stafford's just not ready, I mean, again, we you don't know, and he wasn't his his self this season, and they don't have picks. What's the mantra? F them picks. F them picks uh, from the not, general manager. I guarantee you, they're not saying that right now. Um, well, I, I doubt they're walking around the building saying that. What but a great got, opportunity for Baker, though. They've got the rings and the trophy though already, so uh, it did pay also, off from that respect. But moving forward in the future, I mean, they're in a tough spot. If I may. Unless Baker Mayfield continues to play great like he did those final two drives. There's another, uh, well, yes. I mean, then you're looking at it in a different way and thinking, and they also, hey, I mean, remember, this guy's a former number one pick, and now he's playing great in this Sean McVay offense. There's a scenario where that great. happens. Not great. Oh, you say later. Yeah, I'm see, saying yeah. if, this can, if, if the last two drives it's t- are an indication of things to come, I know it's a stretch. Those it was two drives. They had three points. It's their personnel around up until them, that though. point. That's what worries me. Yes, but that catch by Van Jefferson to win it, and oh. so some of the plays that were being Atwell made by those guys on the first play. I mean, from he the, was he was giving them a chance with yeah, the throws. Yes. but those are difficult catches. Yes, yes, uh, and great throws as well as you mentioned. Hey, uh, but let's let, let me. So Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford randomly go to Cabo and happen to see each other there, right? Yeah. So random. Baker Mayfield asked for his release, and he admitted that he went ahead and booked his flight to L.A. because he just had a feeling prior to the waiver claims. You think that's by coincidence? Hutton, I think that Sean McVay is inside of every NFL quarterback's DMs. That's what I think. I think that he probably, as the cool young coach, has immediate access to everyone's Instagram account, or their cell phone, their phone or number their to text them, account. or their agent. I, th- I think I think it's more direct than that. I, I think he's going right to the source. And when they have that random coincidental uh-huh. meeting in um, Cabo, we know as we joke, tongue in cheek, there's nothing random or coincidental about it's it. Cabo, cool. I think that I, I can't remember the last time I ran into someone that I knew in Cabo just randomly. No right? Kardashians hanging out with you. Yeah, n- never happened to me. But of course, I'm not Sean McVay. I think that he knows these guys pretty well and can get in touch with them and arrange some meetings. Uh, NFL injury, let me go through some others that have been tweeted out. Saquon Barkley, questionable. Deontay Foreman is good to go for the Carolina Panthers. That's big because you can run the football of the Seattle Seahawks. 
Carolina's on the road this week. Sam Darnold's making another start. Uh, he had been dealing with a foot injury, but Foreman's playing. And I didn't pick Carolina because I didn't know about the full status of, of Foreman with the upset pick. This is intriguing here. Um, Joe Mixon, he is cleared through concussion protocol. He's expected to play this week. And T. Higgins with the hamstring issue, he's also expected to, to play. Um, Lamar Jackson's doubtful. Amari Cooper questionable with a hip issue for Cleveland. And Trevor Lawrence questionable with a toe injury. He practiced... He was limited in practice today, but hasn't practiced all week as they get faced the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. The Titans are extremely hobbled. Traylon Burks, out. He's in concussion protocol. Christian Fulton, not going to play at corner. Uh, Danico Autry will miss another game. And they have not been as physical in the trenches without him lined up next to Jeffrey Simmons. Just not the same. And Simmons is playing through an ankle injury. Um, David Long Jr., not playing this week. So... Here's a, a hobbled Titans team. Jags are the underdogs on the road. They may have to go with C.J. Beathard, but this is a Titans defense that I think they will be able to run against. Because, again, without Autry, so they're not injuries. the same physical front. And Jeffrey Simmons has not been the same no. since injuring the ankle. No, so you're right. he's, he's not the same guy either. Chad, uh, interesting finish last night in college basketball. And uh, quite frankly, if not for Jay Billis, when I first saw this highlight, I'm like – I like Billis whenever he's going through the rules to clarify things. But they, a, a situation where in a, a final chance opportunity, Ohio State beats Rutgers on a buzzer beater. Um, and immediately the question is, should a violation have been called? Because he, the player starts here. Um, I mean, you, you'll see the still image. Unfortunately, and I, again, I, I can't figure out why we can't play video on the show when other shows have video. Um, yeah, um, here we are with the still image. We need to get a show attorney. We, what we, is, need, we need Davey Hudson to turn yeah, from meteorologist to, to attorney yeah. on this show, and then we'll be okay to get the license to um, play video on this one. But, Chad, the, the rule... We also don't tweet from this show, so there's a lot of things we don't do. Yes, correct. What's, what's the rule clarification here? So the rule clarification is pretty simple. You can't be the first person to touch the basketball when you come back inbounds from out of bounds. So... Ohio State late in this game, it's hard to tell from, from that, that photo, but if you're the – here's an example. Yes. You can't save it to yourself, right? If you're going out of bounds, you see this often, where you're starting to fall out of bounds and you throw the ball in, you can't step out of bounds and step right back in and touch it. Guys usually are trying to box someone out to let their teammate touch it, knowing they can't touch the basketball because if they do, it's going back to the other team. You can't be the first one to touch it after you go out of bounds. So, let, so, so another like example is... you go out of bounds. Yeah, and if, if, if the ball is released, so let's say your teammate is passing it to you and you're out of bounds, and while the ball is in the air to you, you jump right back inbounds mm -hmm. while it's in the air, that's a violation. The ball is not touched by anyone. You're the first person to touch it coming out of bounds. That is a violation. Um, now, what can happen here... Is and that's what's hard to tell in this this video and that that still shot. But if the Ohio State player is out of bounds, puts both feet in bounds as the pass is coming to them, but it's still in the player's hands. Right. So before they right. release it, you could hop back in quickly as long as it is not completely left your teammate's hands. Then it's not a violation you're because you're not the first person to touch it when you get back in bounds. Because technically, the other player, the other person is still touching it. 
even if they're in the process of passing it to you. But if the ball's in the air and it's already been passed and you're out of bounds when the ball's released in the pass from your teammate and jump back inbounds, by the rule, it should be a violation. Out of bounds, goes to the other team. I think part of the confusion, too, is... And that shot would not have counted. Where it happened on the floor, right? Because it's... I think if you saw this, most of the time, if you're trying to describe this particular situation, I'm thinking baseline for the most part. And where it happened, I'm, you know, I think it was just an unusual circumstance. No, I mean, it's, it's anywhere. Total, total confusion. Yeah, it's anywhere out of bounds. It's, it's almost like the, um, another confusing one for people is the over and back rule. It's not over and back until all three points are established in the front court. So Which you is can, a total like you can you can totally yeah. dribble the ball in and bring it back. You can put one foot in and bring it back. Hutton, you could get both feet in the front court across half court and keep your dribble in the back court yeah. and still go completely back. The moment both feet it's three points, both feet and the ball cross half court, then you cannot even step on the half court line or it's over and back. So it has to be all three points established. Similar concept out of bounds. If, See, you, if you're out of bounds and established out of bounds, you have to completely reestablish in bounds with someone else touching the ball before you touch it. I, I should not have even credited Jay Billis. I should have just set Chad up, just sit him up for the, the ball on the tee. And this is why. I understand basketball you know rules exactly better, what I'm than, about to say. better than most sports. There was a team that was the Harlem Globetrotters of Evie's League. Oh. And Chad's defensive So glad we're effort, getting into this. Chad's defensive effort as coach, filling in as coach. Um, tell us the final score. Th- there was a team averaging 55 so, points per game or something. On Saturday, well, there's a lot of things that went into this, too. Okay. Saturday, we're playing a team. We're 3-0. and My daughter, Evie, who's 7. I'm the assistant coach of her <laughs> basketball team. We're 3-0. and But it's, it's first and second grade girls basketball. So your typical score is like 12-6. to you know, 18 to 10 is like a high-scoring game sometimes. We're averaging probably between 16 and 22 points in our three wins. We are playing a team on Saturday. I kid you not. They are averaging over 40 points per game. Six-minute quarters, running clock, first and second grade girls. I see they scored 51 points in a game. My first question is how. My second question is did Brittany Griner already get traded from <laughs> Russia, and is she participating on this first and second like grade seven team? Footer. So clearly my thought is, well, they must have two really good guards, they're getting quick steals, and it's a fast break, and they just have a girl who can score, who can go score a layup, right? Because you got to be scoring quick to do that. So morning of the game on Saturday morning, my head coach, Coach K, will we'll go by Coach K, that's what he, the girls call him, um, he calls in sick. He's got the flu, he's got a fever, can't go. Calls old assistant coach Chad and says, you're in. You got you to coach today. And I'm thinking, all right. Gets the blood going a little bit for me, right? Gets the energy going. I'm thinking, we are going to come up with something to stymie this team at least a little bit. So show up to the game, elementary school gym, and all the girls are outside. It's, it's a warm Saturday in, in December, which is rare. Gray outside, but they're all dribbling and playing around outside. Five minutes left in the game before me. I say, girls, follow me. And just like little ants, all these little six- and seven-year-old girls just march behind me. And I say, do not dribble the ball. Game going on. Hold your balls. We all walk into the gym together, go to the corner of the gym away from everyone else. I get down on one knee, ask them all to kneel down in front of me. 
And I look at each one of their little eyes, and I say, two points of emphasis today. Because the team we're playing has dominated everyone. (laughs) So here's what I want you girls to know. We are a good team before we get to the two points. Know that as we play this team. Know that you're good and they're good, and don't be afraid. But here are the two points of emphasis. One, when they score, do not panic and throw the ball in immediately. Take your time, set it up, and walk the ball up the court. Taking your time. There's no 10-second violation in little girls basketball. They can't guard you until you get over the three-point line. Get your guards, your wings out past the three-point line. Let's set it up. Let's take our time. And two, Hutton, was the hardest one to abide by. But when they get the ball... you don't do this, you're benched. You run back. Yeah. I did have to bench one girl, but it was for reasons not not because of that. Um, Just for a short time. Okay. Two, when they get the basketball and they're dribbling down, you sprint back and you find the ball. Two, two parts of this, which my daughter actually did not do one time. She sprinted, but she's looking at the wall the whole time, which I get onto her about. you got to find the ball behind you because she's just trying to sprint to the basket and not looking where the ball is. you got to find the ball. Because my assumption is they've got, you know, um, uh, Sabrina Iescu, or however you pronounce her name, yes, yes. at guard, and they're just going to go down fast and score every time. Becky Hammond <laughs> is out here running point, and i got to get my girls back quick to stop the ball. So... We get into this game, and I, I'm expecting the worst. I'm like, all right, you know, it's kind of a slow start. But my girls come out there hunting. They're walking the ball up. They're going out past the three-point line. And I think that I frighten them with my points of emphasis because we start the game, and we are in the old Dean Smith, Dean Smith North Carolina, four-corner stall. This was the offense that started the shot clock because he would hold the ball with a lead, and then they had to form a shot clock after that. So my girls are just petrified. They're holding the ball at the wing. There's driving lanes open. They're not going to drive. They're not even trying to throw it into our post player who scores a lot of our points, two of them. And so I had to call timeout, I think, three minutes in. I bring them over and I say, hey, relax. I still want you to try to score. You know, Azalea is one of our, our girls, one of our good guards. I said, Azalea, if you get it and there's no one in front of you, you drive it in and you shoot it. Draw a foul or shoot it up. So we relax a little bit. We start trying to score. But Hutton, after three quarters, a team that we were playing that averaged 42 points per game, we're down nine to eight They're after scared. three quarters. They, the, the I instituted a Texas Tech-style pack line <laughs> defense where I bubbled it up around the basket, and I, for the first time all year, I put our two post players in at the same time. We have 10 players, and everyone has to play about two quarters. So usually we just split up five, teams of five. One plays first and third, one plays second and, and fourth. And you rotate them. But this time I was having to rotate them around. We actually had nine players there. Um, had a chance going into the fourth. Did not have a good fourth quarter. We gave up six. We didn't score. We had some good opportunities. That's when the benching took place. But we lost 15 to eight. And I feel like against a team that was averaging over 40 a game, losing 15 Again. to eight, not all that bad. So the next challenge, are you coaching this weekend? And don't, hey, I don't want this. I don't want this to be about me. This is not me patting myself on the back. My girls gave it their all that day. It's, it's all about the girls so, and the players in this team. I like, promise it's not about me. It was me. about two weeks ago. I feel like we yeah. were in here and you were looking at this team that put up like 53 points on the team, 53 yeah. to one or something was a score. And you're like, who, what is going on here? We've got them coming up. Uh, your next challenge, are you head coach this weekend? Are you filling in again? Or are you? I'm back to assistant coach okay. now. So I sit on the end of bench um, and kind of talk to the girls well, down on this end the whole time while he leads the team. So uh, maybe the, uh, the current head coach will try to one-up you by trying to repeat what Grinnell College did 
uh, this weekend um, by scoring 124 points without attempting a two-point shot. This is extremely hard to do. It's a new NCAA record, 111 three-pointers attempted, Jack. And it surpasses the 109 three-point shots from Troy in their game against DeVry back in 1992. Threes only. So, so you're saying like, hey, don't they, you can't be the, the your your team can't be guarded until you get to the three point line. I mean, here you are. Uh, if you're the Bible College that's facing Grinnell, um, you can only you you, st- you have to full court press. You can't do anything but that because you've got to guard them literally everywhere on the floor. Everyone's Steph Curry, 124 I'm, points. I mean, are these are these players on scholarship that they're playing? <laughs> I mean this legitimately. Like I, I played pretty high level high school basketball, and I did not receive a scholarship to play college basketball. And I'm thinking that me and my buddies could have done a better job against this. Let's fire up a three pointer every time attack of this team than whoever they're playing in Division Three, uh, Grinnell, whatever the opponent. Who who was the opponent again? Do we have a box score where we can see the opponent? That they're playing? It was a Bible college, I believe, is who they were facing. So Jack Taylor uh, is the guy who's uh, somewhat famous at Grinnell College. He's a 5'10 guard um, who scored just bundles of points for Grinnell back in the day. I I just see this and I think, who's defending this team? I mean, this is terrible. This is like the We've talked about my men's league game where I was 17 for 17 from three. Yes, and scored fifty-seven points in a game. That's still talked about in the men's league that I play in. And we had, but you know how I did that? Because we played a bunch of forty-two-year-old lawyers who were in a two-three zone and never came out to guard me. I almost I mean, didn't want to shoot, and my team was screaming to shoot it again because they didn't know to come out and guard the three-point line. I mean, is that this, who Grinnell played? Uh, no, they're not playing the lawyers. They're playing the, uh, the the men that are training to hand out free Gideon Bibles oh. at the Bible College. That's what they're doing. Um, by the way, uh, the the pioneers are their name. Um, their their offense is predicated. The philosophy is predicated on quick shots. They prioritize threes clearly, constant full court press, and crashing offensive glass upon the three point shot. Everyone crashes. You pitch it back out for another three. This is like the um, the analytics of football and when to go for two. And uh, it, there, there are certainly coaches that would play uh, Drew Maddox locally, uh, great college player for Vanderbilt. Um, he would, you know, longtime high school coach here in town too, state championship winning coach on the regular. Um, you know, he would point to the analytics of having the three point shot versus you know stepping in and trying the two. Um, sometimes there's just layups. So I mean, in in, in, a, in a fast break quick offense, it's very difficult not to just go down the court and lay it in on a fast break and take the points or get fouled or, you know, like they did not attempt a two-point shot to where they were even fouled to go to the line. That's, that's insane to me. It's one thing, like if your approach is we're going to constantly put pressure on the opponent by running and gunning and full-court pressing, mm-hmm. that's one thing. When your approach is just take a quick shot... <laughs> Yeah, just, just doesn't even it. need to be shoot. a good one. Just get the ball towards the basket. I'm thinking about uh, the the first coach in Hoosiers when Gene Hackman t- 
to when Norman Dell takes over and he's in practice, like, stop throwing the ball around the key. Just fire Five it up passes. there. Let's go. But no, that's Norman Dell. Remember the first coach he walks in the gym? You can hear him. It's the guy who plays Eddie Harris in Major League. That, that oh, actor, yeah, yes, that older yes, actor. Yes. And he's saying, he's like, stop, stop passing around the key. Just fire it up there. Is that guy coaching Grinnell? Because it's one thing to take good shots quick. It's another thing just to throw it towards the rim and have everyone rush to go get the ball and then throw up another bad shot. Now, granted, they scored 124 points, so they yeah. know what they're doing, and they're hitting some of these threes. But I hear that approach, and I immediately think, oh, so your approach is to not really play defense. <laughs> right? It works. Yeah. We, no, we're going to full-court press. What, what that means is we're going to throw the ball towards the rim, try to get the rebound. If we don't, maybe one guy gets back on defense, maybe not. But we're okay with them scoring a layup on the other end, as long as we get a three up the next time down. You get a steal on the inbounds pass. There's going to be a lot of layups. For three. At least there should be a lot of layups on the other end. They did. Uh, Davey lets us know they ended up shooting six free throws due to a bonus situation, but never attempted an actual two. Well, I, I want whoever they beat excommunicated from this league. That should be the next step. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, the Power 5 coaching carousel will go through some of the recent hires. Uh, there is a familiar name that is returning to the SEC as an offensive coordinator. And Charles Barkley opens up on his relationship with Michael Jordan. Turns out they haven't talked and we'll tell you how long. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on. Plenty of uh, Power 5 coaching moves already. And it's really difficult, Chad to figure out which team didn't get it right. I, I, I really feel like a, a programs got it right this offseason with their hires. You know, there's always the eyebrow raise or it's like, oh, this guy's getting another shot. Or I mean, based on fit, I don't see the hire like we saw at Auburn with Harson, right? Where it just doesn't, you know, like, really? Auburn's hired Boise State's head coach? I don't see that for the vast majority of the Power Five. Now, um, yes, we warned Georgia Tech not to fall into the trap. And, you know, they, they had a chance. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Dance to really change course and do something different. Chose not to. Um, and we were critical of that then as we are now. But... Uh, you agree? I mean, if we look at the, the coaching carousel across the Power Five, Chad, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a lot of teams have improved and upgraded, and even in cases where they lost their coach, like Louisville, they end up truly upgrading with Jeff Brom, one of their own. And they get paid $3.5 million from Cincinnati to do so. I want to see what Purdue does. I want to see what Stanford does. Um before really answering that, I'll say there's one that jumps out to me that did get it wrong, Georgia Tech. Yeah. Uh, Brent Key at Georgia Tech. I mean, we can say, yeah, it makes sense. He no, did an okay we, job. we warned against them falling into that same trap. Yeah, you know, okay. Um, he played there. He did a pretty good job as an interim, but they had a chance to change their direction, had a chance to swing big for a guy like Deion Sanders, and instead 
It's Colorado now getting all the shine, and not just the shine, the money. Merchandise sells. That basketball game, the, the pep rally broke out in the middle of it when Deion Sanders showed up with his son, who's going to be the quarterback, and the crowd goes crazy. Uh, it's going to help all of Colorado athletics, not just football. And now suddenly Colorado is going to be the A1 talking point on every college football show leading up to next season. And Deion Sanders has that program already yes. in prime position, pun intended, to be a national player. I think that's the move of this coaching carousel so far. I'm curious what Purdue does. I think Louisville, that, that's a great one I mean, with Braum. I mean, look, there's – I still put Luke Fickle maybe at the top of good hires for, for Wisconsin. But, I mean, think Matt about – Matt Rule is the best that Nebraska could have done. Yes. I think he's assembling a good staff. It's tough not to be excited Freeze. at and, these and places. Ole Miss keeping Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's now the Ole Miss guy. They step up and pay him so, $9 million plus. Here's what's interesting to me, and, and I know Clay disagrees. We had him on a couple days ago, and he said Hugh Freeze the best hire. I think Hugh Freeze is one of the most underwhelming hires now after all the ones that have been made. Well, but it, it makes sense for Auburn, though. That's the guy well, it they... it makes sense, but I mean, I had Auburn as the best job in this carousel. Well, they hired the guy that beats Bama. Well, they also hired a guy who lost twice to Vandy. Sure. They also hired a guy that had A.J. Brown and three other top picks that went 5-7 and seven in his final year. Now, I get that now he was under NCAA heat because of his own doing in that year, but, I mean, there's plenty not to like about Hugh. I, but that look, dude got you, D.K. Metcalf and, Hugh, and, and A.J. Brown and others there. That's the other key here. Yes, and what he did and got caught doing is now legal, so he can just right. do that at Auburn. But, I but mean, everyone I'll, can do it, too. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, that's what he had to do at Ole Miss to get those guys. But that's what now Harson he can wasn't just, doing. He can just pay commensurate to everyone else and get guys to Auburn. Yeah. I just, I, I'm underwhelmed. Here's what I'm saying. I, I'm, I think Hugh Freeze is going to be a good hire. I think that was always a good floor for Auburn if you're not going to get Lane Kiffin. But after every other hire has been made, I'm terribly underwhelmed by Hugh Freeze to Auburn given that Auburn was the top available job in this cycle. And I think Matt Rule has a better history as a coach. I think Luke Fickle is a better hire for Wisconsin. I think Deion Sanders hasn't done as much as Hugh Freeze as a head coach in college, but is a more exciting hire. And I think Hugh Freeze will do just fine. This is not me knocking him or Auburn. I think they'll be fine. But I think you could point to some other jobs or other places, Hutton, that hire different guys that are even better. Um, so Stanford was trying to hire Jason Garrett. He decided to stay at NBC. Says, I'm not leaving. He's enjoyed his time at NBC and he's not leaving. I think we have the tweet or maybe we don't. I'm looking at this rundown, but we've, we've got, uh, a tweet for where he's clarifying. Hey, thanks so much to Stanford, but I'm staying with football night in America and with Notre Dame football. So is he about to get the big push? Cause Garrett was also involved. Um, with some coverage of the USFL. You know, they wanted to get him out there and get the exposure and get the reps. Uh, I wonder if he's about to get some of the money that uh, McVay turned down, for instance, to stay in coaching. I don't think so. Uh, here's what I think. I think he wasn't getting the Stanford job. I think this is very easy to say when you know that you've been passed over and he interviewed and they're going in a different direction. I think he caught wind of that. And then he decided to post something about staying at NBC. But he, he was a finalist after they looked at like six guys. Multiple people confirmed that. And well, he's a finalist. Doesn't mean they offered him the job. But one of two finalists means they Stanford narrowed it down.
But yeah, I mean, maybe he just says, "Yeah, I'm staying." I'm yeah, staying. I mean, I, look, I just find it hard to believe that he's going to now suddenly be, you know, uh, worthy of Sean McVay type uh, broadcasting money because um, he wasn't. So have they announced Troy Taylor? It as wasn't the as coach? bad as Drew Brees. It wasn't as bad as at Drew Brees at Notre Dame in terms of the broadcast, but he's better, and I think he's good on Football Night in America. But yeah, I think this is more one of two things. I think it's more of he either found out he wasn't getting the Stanford job or he legitimately wanted to stay at NBC. I don't know, Hutton, that it means he was power playing NBC to get a raise to not take the Stanford job. Because I think if you're NBC, you're thinking, I mean, we could go get another Jason Garrett for the amount they're already paying them. At least I'd be thinking that way. I don't think he's some once-in-a-lifetime broadcasting talent that you've got to no, re-up but- for. There's plenty of former Man, coaches you could get. Yeah, but the media loves players. the Cowboys connections. All of them. Look around with Aikman and Bring Romo, Jason Witten back. Jason Garrett. <laughs> uh, He's available. Could bring him back. Um, it sounds like Stamp. I mean, if the, 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 the finalists that were reported, Troy Taylor, I mean, they're down to one finalist, which tells you who Stanford's going to hire based on that report, who was uh, a Cal. Uh, he's got ties with Cal, of course, but now he's going to end up at Stanford. From Sacramento State. Let me look up the score of this game. This Sacramento State schedule. Um, when I saw this score from the Pac-12 earlier this season, we brought it up, but the the football schedule, when they put up like 50 on Colorado State, I was stunned. It is, I'm a little surprised that it's the... 41-10 was the final. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's good for an FCS over any, over any FBS program. I'm a little surprised that it's the Sacramento State coach going to Stanford. <laughs> I, I just I, look; it, 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 it may re- work out. I mean, Jim Tressel came from Shaw. came from FCS and won a national title at Ohio State. It, it sounds can't like happen. Shaw. It sounds like Shaw was just like, you know what, this NIL stuff, and it, I know they went three and nine, but the, he just wants out. I, I don't get the sense he wants to coach right now in college football. I think there's going to be more like that. Let, let me give you one. You think example. he's NFL caliber? NFL assistant, maybe, yeah. Um, Mike Leach doesn't seem long for this business. Yep. I mean, you got guys leaving that program, announcing on Instagram that I'm leaving, and I want to thank Mike Leach for saying I'm not tough enough and that he doesn't want me anyway. And for that reason, I'm entering the transfer portal. Uh, Ra-Ra Thomas, who's one of their top players, a receiver, they got some really good players that are younger leaving that program in droves. I don't think Mike Leach given his old-school approach with how he handles players, is taking too kindly to these end-of-year, what used to be evaluations, becoming end-of-year, resell-me-on-staying-here sessions with his players. And because of that, he's saying things like this that's going to cost him in recruiting and going to cost him in the transfer portal. So I, I just don't see him as someone who's long for this life in college football in the NIL world. It sounds like... Uh, based on some reports that Bobby Petrino is surfacing as the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M or is one of the leading candidates to join Jimbo Fisher. That's interesting. He's the head coach of Missouri State. But I, I never would have paired those two together. Right. They almost beat Arkansas this year, yeah. Bobby Petrino, Missouri State. Um, that's weird from a personality standpoint. Yes. That is a hell of a hire. If Jimbo Fisher is serious about relinquishing control to Bobby Petrino, he could not have done any better. 
than well, hiring him. I, again, I'm, I'm taking personal issues, all of that aside. Right. You could not do better as a play caller than hiring Bobby Petrino to leave as a head coach to be your offensive coordinator. Now, we can all see the possible problems with those two old-school, just knuckle-headed, they're going to drive their head through the wall before they give an inch to someone else on that staff approach. That's going to lead to some problems. But Bobby Petrino is a great play caller and offensive coach. So that's a terrific hire. we got to get Billy Lucci on at some point if that happens. No doubt. To talk about that and all, I mean, players. Texas A&M, I think, leads, I know they lead the SEC, maybe the country, in players leaving that program. And it's a lot of guys from that highly heralded recruiting class but, last year. But then they just landed. Didn't they just land the number one running back? Or number two running back in the... That was another headline I saw. They I've, continue to get these top dudes. I haven't seen that. But, I mean, they lost a lot of their top dudes from that last year's class already after one year. Um, because I, I, I raised an eyebrow to it because I'm like, man, they're, running, they're doing it again. I mean, look, that's great. if they're, uh, By doing it again... If you mean bringing in a class and you can't Ruben hold on Owens, to half the of them. the nation's top running back, commenced A&M yesterday. Yeah, Reuben Owens was committed to Louisville, decommitted when Satterfield left. And I know he was down to A&M. Uh, Georgia was on that list and Ohio State. So that, that's big. That's a five-star running back. But, I mean, I, I don't think if you're Jimbo Fisher, you run anything back. This class is no. already blown up. Yeah. They're leaving. So, I yeah, mean, but- I think you take a completely different approach after all this. Charles Barkley on the Let's Go podcast with, with Brady says that uh, he and, of course, Michael Jordan used to be best of friends. Says they haven't talked in nearly or over a decade in the quote. He says um, he said something that offended the Bulls legend. He didn't, I don't think, clarified what here. But he says, I think probably me and Mike were best friends. That's probably the most prominent thing. And Brady was asking him about this. Michael Jordan losing his friendship was probably the most prominent thing that's happened to me. But I was being honest about what I thought. I said, listen, the toughest thing about Michael, he's got to put better people around him. Yeah, that, because, that's what he said. Okay. The, the tough – I wonder if he said more than that behind the scenes or something that got back to him. Why would he – you think Mike would – that's weird. Um, because the toughest thing, uh, when you're famous, they're only – and now a pop-up happens on the Post article. Look, because he, the toughest thing when you're famous – they're on your private jet. You're buying all the drinks. Yeah. You're buying all the dinners. Okay. Very few people are going to be honest with you. Yeah, he, he accused him of having hanger-ons that were not being honest with him and telling Michael whatever he wanted, and that he needed to get rid of those guys. It, this does not surprise me one bit, because Michael Jordan does not have thick skin. He's a lot of things. He's not someone that's going to hear something negative about himself and let it roll off his back and not worry about it and go about his day. He has become Michael Jordan because he is so incredibly driven mm. by the slightest of slights that he's going to let it get to him, and he's going to defriend people that have been in his life for a long time because they say one remotely negative thing about him publicly. He said they're both stubborn as to why they haven't talked. So I guess that means he also hasn't reached out. Yeah. I, I want those guys to be friends. Uh, can we have the sit-down like we had with, with uh, you had Belichick and Parcells? Can we have that with Charles and Mike? I want th- that's that's a pair that I want to come together and be friends again. I think it's good for everyone if they're buddies. No doubt. Uh, coming up, we'll give the uh, final injury reports from the West Coast to, to get you ready for the weekend. Um, and as we go to break, we we lost a great friend, an amazing woman this week, in Lindsey Fry Reed. 
um, who we met through our previous radio program, Midday 180, myself, Chad, Paul, we attended her funeral service earlier today, and she became a member of our radio family when she married David Reed. Our condolences and support uh, are sent to our great friend and former chairman of the board, David Reed, and the entire family of Lindsey Fry Reed. Lindsey passed away this past Sunday after battling cancer for the last several years. And at one point, um, the, the battle initially was optimistic, and it resurfaced uh, a year later on Good Friday. And it spread throughout, and ultimately an illness um, that accompanied this fight um, took her life this past, this past weekend. She was amazing. And, and Chad, she will be remembered for her joy, her bravery, her attitude, her friendship, her faith, and um, their relationship, and we're showing pictures of, of David and Lindsay now, their relationship came about through an event we had in town where Lindsay was a loyal listener to our program, and David at the time was just starting as our head producer of the program. Yeah, and we send our prayers and thoughts out to uh, both the, the Reed family and... Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Fry family with this just uh, awful loss of one of the truly bright lights that we've ever come across. And we're not just going to send prayers out. We are going to host an event with the Nashville Predators at some point to raise money for a lot of the expenses that the Reeds face through this fight uh, against this horrific disease with cancer, with Lindsay. It was amazing sitting in the church today, Hutton, at the Celebration of Life and hearing stories about Lindsay Reed. And I feel like I know her even more. And she is one of those rare people that when you meet her and spend five minutes with her, you feel like your best friends. She made everyone feel that way. If you ever came in contact with her, and if you're listening to this or watching this and you know her, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you may know someone just like Lindsay. She was the most, faith, most faithful person I've ever met, one of the most courageous. She was a loyal follower of Jesus Christ, and she's the most Christ-like person I've ever encountered in my life. And I heard that from countless people today. And she's gone at 38 years old, and there's nothing fair about that. But she packed more into those 38 years than most of us will pack into our entire lives if we live to be 90. So I feel blessed and I'm thankful to have come across her. And I'm thankful that we got to witness one of the truly great love stories yeah. with her and David Reed. It yeah. was a short time. They got married five years ago. And uh, a one year after they were married, she was diagnosed with cancer. And it's been a fight against cancer the rest of the time. But I'm just thrilled to have known her. The Tennessee Breast Cancer Coalition, you can donate there in her honor. If you're familiar with the show, if you want to donate in this fight, tbcc.org is where you can go. On behalf of myself, Chad, Paul, our families, and the entire family here at OutKick, David, we're here for you. Lindsay, we love you. Lindsay Reed was 38 years old. 
How about this quote from Dan Campbell, Lions head coach? He was asked about the Lions being the favorites against the 10-2 and Vikings. We can't bet. You know what? That's illegal. I'll get banned for life for this league, from this league, if I say anything. So it has no bearing on us. He finishes by saying, I'm shocked by that. <laughs> but all those things really don't matter to me. About the Lions being the favorites against the Vikings. That is funny. That's why I took the Vikings. Yeah. Money line upset. Let's go. I Somehow the Vikings are up underdogs this week. I w would have preferred he just said, I'm not going to comment on it because I could get banned for life, but you know what? Double the spread. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also like to say double the spread. Um, We're winning big. Lions big in this game. Brandon Cooks, Derek Stingley out for Sunday's game against the Cowboys. 17-point underdogs, the Houston Texans, uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. You want to double that one? You know what? Double the spread. 34. Uh, Nick Bosa, questionable with a hamstring injury this uh, coming Sunday against the Buccaneers. What are we discussing? What's the storyline we're discussing most on Monday? I think the storyline we're discussing most is that Brock Purdy might be oh. the Nick Foles of this season. When Nick Foles came in for an injured Carson Wentz and led the Eagles to a Super Bowl, I think that Purdy is going to play well the 49ers will beat Father Time himself, Tom Brady, and the Bucks, And we're going to start to talk about, are the 49ers really about to go on a run with their third-string quarterback who was Mr. Irrelevant in this past draft? I believe that's going to be the storyline, is the outcome of that 49ers-Bucks game. Davey, what do you got? You're going to find this shocking, but I actually think the game that you need to keep an eye on this week is Kansas City versus Denver. Denver gets one more win this season, and it just so happens to be this Sunday against the Chiefs. And I'll say, I don't know what happens with the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Something on Monday is going to be extremely controversial with this vote. It's going to be lopsided. We're going to find out about where Hendon Hooker was in this, who was left off ballot. I mean, it's going to be nuts. And... What it really came down to with either Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, Duggan, or Stetson Bennett. I, I, I think the vote is just going to be wacky. And I'll go with whatever the storyline is with the voters who I believe, and I think everyone agrees here, barely, for the vast majority of them, there are those that take it extremely serious, and I appreciate that, don't really watch a ton of college football when they're voting on the best player and most outstanding player in college football. I'll go with that one. Hutton, good week. Solid week. Good work. Back at it on Monday. Good Rock work, Kick 360 everyone. across the Outkick Network. You're Cheers. all adjourned.